0: Hello and welcome to the Omega Metroid podcast from omegametroid.com. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Duminal Crossing. Doom, my friend, how are you?
1: Uh doing very good, Andy. Uh we're halfway through the school semester and uh you know, just registered for my uh, final classes right before graduation, so Hell yeah. It's uh it's coming up here. It's coming up here very soon.
0: You applied and, for uh, that yeah. uh, student loan relief?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I did that a couple weeks ago. I actually, uh, I got an early invite to the application before the official one went live. That's awesome. So yeah, I did the official one too, just to be absolutely sure. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything. So, uh, they get to, they get to go through two applications, <laughs> uh, when they, uh, when they do my thing, but yeah, very excited. And, um, I'm even looking at houses, uh, now after I graduate Ooh. too with uh, some of my friends. So yeah, That's big pretty changes exciting. coming up. I know it's, it's so wild. It's what's weird is like, I always thought like, Oh man, the housing market sucks right now. And, and don't get me wrong. The housing market does suck right now, but like it also like in the positions that me and my friends are in, it's a significantly more manageable than I thought. And we actually, we actually might be able to find something decent, like 30, 45 minutes out. So, I mean, obviously we're just scratching the surface right now, but yeah, it's um exciting times.
0: Oh, that is Okay. I'll tell you what, if you buy a house,
1: no, no I'm not buying. We're renting. Okay, we're renting. if, if you if,
0: sorry, if, if you get a house, sorry, is what I meant. If you get a house, I am going to fix the hot tub in my house, and then we're gonna we're gonna have the Omega Metroid team over out a hot tub party in snowy Calgary, <laughs> Omega Alberta.
1: Metroid hot tub stream, it's happening, Dude,
0: folks. <laughs> I think our I think that would just boost our ratings just uh just right up. We we would just instantly level up at least a couple levels uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, I don't know how we got on this topic. We're, a we're a Metroid podcast. Let's talk some, we're going to talk some Metroid today, but actually before we talk some Metroid, we are going to spend a, uh, a little bit of time addressing the video game world and the controversies that have, uh, that have shaped it. So we are going to talk about some Halloween-esque scary places in the Metroid series today, uh, some scary enemies and stuff like that. But, I, I, you know, I've kind of been talking about this, and I've been following this story pretty closely. And we were talking about this in the Omega Metroid Discord. I was talking about it on the Zelda Cast last week, and um, by the time you listen to this, yesterday's episode, and even from the time that I released the episode yesterday, which is, you know, today as as we're recording, we're recording on Monday. New information has come out, making the old information obsolete. Of course, I'm talking about the Bayonetta 3 voice acting kerfuffle is probably maybe the most the best word to use that doesn't have any curse words in it Uh, man what a what a ginormous mess like i think that this is an unfortunate scenario where every single person came out looking bad except for maybe jennifer hale jennifer hale looks Mm -hmm. great but like every person involved with this looks awful platinum games looks awful uh helena taylor looks very awful unfortunately um
1: i wouldn't say platinum looks awful but more camilla looks awful just because of the way he acts on online uh, yeah
0: okay i i guess i guess i'm kind of using those two interchangeably but yeah mm-hmm. to your point yeah um oh i mean like where do we start with this i should. should we kind of recap the scenario very quickly here of what happened
1: yeah, prob- probably. So basically, it first started. I can't even. Was it like two weeks ago when like uh,
0: let me when, let me like, see if Taylor I can uh, let me see if I can set it up and then I'll let you hit it out of the park and, and offer your analysis. So last week, Helena Taylor, the former voice actress of Bayonetta, made a video and said, you know, this company Platinum Games completely lowballed me. They offered me four thousand dollars to voice the character of Bayonetta, which is an insult. And uh, I'm asking fans to boycott the game. And as you would expect, everyone is just like, that's a complete joke. $4,000 to voice a a prominent character in, in you know, I guess you know, Bayonetta is a fairly niche series. But, like, I'd say that the Bayonetta character is bigger than the Bayonetta series, if that makes sense. So, like, you know, you're voicing a character. The personality of that game is a big part of it. There's lots of support from other voice actors like David Hayter, Sean Chiplock. Lots of other people are just like... That's garbage, and um, you know Platinum Games didn't. Uh, they didn't say anything back. They just blocked a bunch of people. And uh, I think what's that guy's name again? The the head of the Platinum Games.
1: Uh, Kim, uh Hideki Kamiya is his Kamiya, name. Kamiya, yeah, yes. yeah,
0: yeah. So he actually like deactivated his Twitter at one at one point. And uh, so a couple days, maybe it was even the next day after. Um, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg, who is a very very reputable reporter. Probably like the most trusted name, I would say, in video game journalism. I, w- I would agree with that for sure. He comes up with a report that essentially says that wasn't the whole story. What happened was Platinum Games tried to re-sign um, Helena Taylor to to do Bayonetta 3, and they offered her a a I guess a union standard of $4,000 per session for up to four or five sessions. So it kind of, it, 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 at the minimum end, it was 15,000 on the high end is 20,000 and Helena Taylor declined that. And then they went into a different direction and they brought in Jennifer Hale, who, I mean, like that was what was so confusing about it initially is because like I could have seen them phasing Helena Taylor out for like a new up and comer, who which essentially means like a cheap up and comer, like someone that doesn't have the the commanding value that, you know, Maybe a more seasoned voice actress does, but like Jennifer Hill is like the, I mean she's like the Julie Roberts of voice acting here. Like she's a she's the biggest name I think potentially in in this world. So uh, I mean
1: she's literally done like hundreds, if not thousands, of different voices in anime and gaming, and even and even a few um I want to say TV roles as too. I could be wrong about that as yeah. well. But yeah, she's like one of the most prominent uh, voice act actresses in the business right now. I actually had the pleasure of, uh, meeting her a couple of years ago. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. But uh,
0: she's the voice of Samus or yeah, kind of exactly, sort of, right? Like
1: in prime. Yeah. Well, she does have some cut dialogue.
0: Yeah. It, well, that's good enough. She, she is the voice of Samus as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, so they hired Jennifer Hale, who is not obviously going to come cheap. So there was something fishy about the story. Bloomberg confirmed that she was, that Helena Taylor was offered four to five sessions for about, Twenty thousand dollars, and uh, you know the story obviously radically changed. To people were like, "This isn't what you said, Miss Taylor. Like this, something is is clearly amiss here." And so, it really, it just it kind of comes down to. And Helena Taylor this morning on Twitter essentially you know, clarified and, and essentially corroborated what uh, Jason Shireward reported. And so, like, yeah, I was offered this, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't what I was worth. Whatever. So it's a really bad look because like, she she lied by omission because what happened afterwards is Platinum Games said to, to Helena Taylor, how about this? We'll offer you a cameo spot where you can do a few roles and we'll pay you for one session, which is $4,000, which is what Helena Taylor originally said that she was offered. But she left out the part where she was offered the main gig before. It's just, I think that there's a really, really good conversation going around the last couple days about like, what is fair compensation for voice actors? Cause clearly they're, they're not compensated well enough. I, I think, I think almost everybody would agree with that. Um, but not a good look for Helena Taylor, who by lying by omission, uh, actually, I wonder if she's actually set that back and like done more damage to that than, than good. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert. I have no, uh, like, I don't know. I could just tell you what like an average fan guy thinks and, Maybe this isn't, like, super related to Metroid, but it is, you know, I think we're going to see voice acting become a real staple of, you know, not only video gaming in general, which it already is, but I think, like, Metroid moving forward as well. So, you know, this does have some kind of ramifications on the series. So just a a real dirty, dirty mess here. Just a bad look for everybody.
1: I don't... So I, I actually don't think that this specific scenario is going to, like set voice actors back by any means again not that they're in a great position by by any means we all we also kind of talked about this when we were talking about uh the mario moving kind of our opinions on celebrity voiceovers versus professional voice acting and stuff like that but i i honestly don't think this is going to have a huge influence on the fight if anything i think this is just kind of you know your kind of monthly reminder that hey don't immediately jump to conclusions before getting the whole story and you know this is something that we're all guilty of i'm not like putting the blame on anyone else i'm certainly a part of this as, t- as well but you know you know when you know a story is coming out you know we always want to jump to conclusions we always want to like get there the quickest and the fastest but you know as you know as the story has progressed and has rolled through it's actually significantly more nuanced than it once initially appeared and so yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. I'm not gonna lie; I am I am very disappointed in um, the way Taylor initially handled it. And um, but yeah, beyond that, I um I don't really want to comment on anything beyond that again because there could be even more that we don't know about yet.
0: To- totally, um, yeah. I all will I, say all I will say though,
1: or, or so you, you go. First. No, no, no.
0: Finish, finish your thought.
1: I, I was just gonna say I I genuinely do feel bad for the you know just the other people in platinum or people like hale who just had nothing to do with this at all who've now like yeah. been swept up in all this controversy and I, I genuinely feel bad for them
0: i think jennifer hale specifically like she got a lot of uh unwarranted and unwanted attention from fans of bayonetta who perhaps you know were were I don't know, galvanized by, uh, by Taylor. And, you know, she, she did release a very classy, uh, note said like, you know, my reputation speaks for itself. I'm under an NDA, so I can't really comment, but like, look at my history and you'll, and you'll see, you know, what I'm talking about. And, and I think, I think she's absolutely right. Like she, uh, she's one of the most respected and longest tenured voice actresses in this industry for a reason. So, um, but I, you know, I just, I feel bad for like the fans of Bayonetta three, like this game has been, uh, what is it like? Eight years in the making, maybe even longer. Um, well, it well it got announced in 2017.
1: So we're, we're about the we're about the yeah. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Right so from
0: the last bit, whatever. It's been a long time. So I, like I was thinking of uh of, of our of our buddy Quest actually, and I was just like, man, like that just sucks. Like being a really big fan of the series, and like we're hyped for this game coming out. It's the first Bayonetta game to come out since like Bayonetta Two, which was like eight or seven years ago or whatever it was. And you just got all this nonsense swirling around and it's just like I, like, I feel bad for the people that just want to enjoy this game. And yeah, uh, it, it's too bad.
1: It, it almost kind of, and this is nowhere near in the same league as Bayonetta 3, but it kind of reminds me of like when Samus Returns was coming out and there was the whole uh, um, locked content behind Amiibo controversy. But obviously that is nothing compared to what's going on here. Obviously this is a much more serious issue that we're discussing about now than yeah. You know, Amiibos. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, the last thing I want to say before we talk some Metroid here is, um, I, I was very, I was very pro when this f- story first broke out. I was very pro uh, Helena Taylor, and um, I think we all were. Yeah, I think we all were. And I and I think that as you know, as a couple things that my takeaway here is is one, as new information comes out, it's okay to change your opinion, and two, if this story, a similar story broke again, I would always side with the with the person and not the corporation. I always want to give the person the benefit of the doubt. I believe the person almost, almost every time over a corporation, right? So like the corporation will be fine. Corporation is going to do what it's going to do. It's going to keep making money. Um, and the people will, you know, I don't know what Helena Taylor has done to her career in, in voice acting. I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's a whole lot of other people that, are going to be looking at this whole scenario and saying like, I want to cast her in my video game, which again is really unfortunate because I do think that people should get paid fairly in this industry. It's just perhaps, I don't know, perhaps could have been done differently, but, um, Hey, I thought since I had talked about it on the Zelda cast and since we've talked about it in our discord, and since I know that we have a bunch of Metroid fans that are fans of Bayonetta, um, and just because Myself it's a very included. topical thing in, in the video game world. Uh, I did want to touch on it. So I'm, I'm glad that we did that.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's all, all just really unfortunate really unfortunate what's happening. I'm yeah. uh I'm hoping that when the game does come out later this week, we can just hopefully all be able to like put this past us and just enjoy the game for what it is is what I'm hoping. While still be able to like have have this conversation.
0: Totally. Yeah. I got some good news. I'm playing a really fun Metroidvania that is going to be next next week the return of inspired by metroid is coming back so uh uh we're gonna be talking about that game i don't want to tell i don't want to say what game it is yet if you follow me on twitch or twitter you probably already know what it is but uh, i've had a real fun time with that so good vibes as we uh, transition over to talking about the metroid series and doom it's almost halloween do you have any halloween plans are you gonna dress up as any metroid characters uh i actually don't it's actually funny i cosplayed a ton
1: this year but i probably not gonna dress up as halloween weirdly enough i am going to play my first resident evil game though i've never played the resident evil series and i'm gonna be really? streaming that yeah i'm gonna be streaming that this wednesday so by the time you're all listening to it that's gonna be tomorrow actually uh when Wait, you which are. one are you
0: starting with are you starting with one? uh
1: yeah i'm doing the the remake of resident evil one i'm streaming that first yeah. i've had the I've owned the game for a couple of years now, but I never got around to it, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, Resident Evil's relevant right now. Halloween's coming up. It feels like the perfect time to finally see what the series is all about. I think
0: you're uh, going to enjoy, because Resident Evil 2, actually Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2, and to a lesser extent Resident Evil 3, are incredible 3D Metroidvanias, believe it or not. So I think you're going to be very happy with those games, actually. Um, particularly, too, I really love Resident Evil 2. The remake they did a couple years ago was awesome. So, yeah, I heard the remake was super good, yeah. It is super good. Very scary, and, uh, maybe not, maybe that's a little bit more scary than some areas of Metroid, but there are some pretty creepy areas in the series, so what we did today is we put together a list of some of the areas that really stuck out to us in the Metroid series, and some of, I have some characters as well, some very creepy characters, but uh, some of the areas that really stand out as being kind of, kind of a little bit spooky, a little bit uh, scary, a little bit uh, make you stand on your tiptoes and uh, the hair on your arms raise up. So let's, I'll let you take it off because I think that we both had uh, a pretty good, like, you know, the, the same idea of the, the one that instantly came to our mind. So I'll let you take it away and describe it in that sweet detail that you do. Uh-
1: all right, so we're doing we're
0: doing the big one right? Uh, yeah, out of the yeah, All let's right. do it. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, fly our way through the galaxy and land on the docking bay of the GFS Valhalla, shall we? Um, you know, I've always talked about how the Prime Three Energy Cell quest I think is the best out of the series, not just because of the way it's handled with you know kind of the way where it's optional rather than with two and one and two where it's mandatory. But also, the area is so much more interactive and memorable mm. than like don't get me wrong, the artifact temple is awesome, but it's a single room, and then the sky temple you know it's kind of it's kind of whatever it doesn't really leave that much of an impression but the g f s Valhalla is incredible, and despite the fact that it reuses a lot of assets from the olympus um just by you know just by simply changing the color tone, destroying um or the color palette destroying the area and uh Mm -hmm. and then the uh the creepy music especially that second track that plays when you get into the depths of the ship where it really emphasizes those lower those lower bass frequencies oh man it just it's so good and then the lore dumps you get when you start scanning all of the all of the deceased enemies and the troopers and then you oh it's so it's such a good sequence
0: it's, uh, there's a lot of things about it that stick out to me as being very creepy, but actually, so I think one of the things that I remember the most is that I might be dating myself here, but, uh, do you remember before Metroid Prime 3 came out, there was that, like, we that Wii channel or whatever, and, like, Yeah, you the Metroid down- Prime 3 preview. Yeah. I still,
1: I still have that on my Wii, despite the fact that you can't access I, it anymore. Me too.
0: <laughs> I remember that there actually there was a lot of cool videos in there, but there was one of them that was some it was called something like like the fate of the GFS Valhalla. And it was like it's kind of like found footage almost. Like it was like you were watching the Blair Witch project, and like there is like, you know, kind of first person, you got the camera, it's like am I playing out last year? And then like it just goes static and goes dark. And I was like, oh damn, like that's uh that's kind of something that we don't see a lot in this series. So I think that before the game even came out, that set the tone for this area in a very like creepy, mysterious kind of way. Cause I do think it's cool that like you go to there and it's, I, I think that the mystery when you find like a derelict spaceship or like a wrecked something your your initial thought is like, what happened here? Like what, what's going on? Um. So I remember just thinking that it's the second I walked in there, but then like, I really loved the, um like the red hue that kind of permeates throughout the whole thing. It, it kind of like gives off this creepy, like, Blood vibe like some bad you know Lord of the Rings yeah. when they're, they're just like yeah, yeah. The, the blood Moon rises or, or blood has been Spilled tonight it's like there's it looks Red in here like something bad has definitely Happened and then yeah as you Slowly kind of creep And crawl and progress your way through And uh, you unlock little Bits and, and secrets and and um, I, This is a spoiler Actually I'm going to save this part because I want to talk about this particular Enemy later but uh, just as you get Into like the the Ship itself and realize like this is so creepy, like, people died here, like, this is, it's pretty intense for Metroid.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and actually, like, you know, the color palette and those blood, those blood red and orange hue changes, there's actually a lore reason why that's there, too, which is so cool. If you, um, if you pay attention to um, uh, when Admiral Dane is giving uh, his big briefing in the tutorial sequence to all the Hunters, He he mentions that the Valhalla goes missing and they lost contact in the Klar Nebula. And when you actually land on it, you can actually see a little bit of that nebula right outside of the ship. And that's what's portraying that uh, red hue onto Mm -hmm. the environment, which is such a cool detail that didn't need to be in the game at all, but
0: I love that it is. Um, Yeah, so very, very creepy area. I think really sets the tone. And I think you're right, actually. I think that this is the best version of the... Uh, what would you call it? like the artifact hunts or whatever in Metroid Prime mm-hmm. uh, in the Metroid Prime trilogy
1: it's I, also I'd also say it's the best version of kind of like as you were mentioning the wrecked ship trope which is you know it's not yeah. just overused it's not just used a lot in metroid it's used a lot in sci-fi in general but it I think it's I think it's a testament to how well done it's here that it's able to stand out from all those other examples
0: yeah I, I think that uh I, I think that it does a really good job and you mentioned the music too the music is very creepy um which really adds to it but it's like subtle creepy I feel like for me um but yeah I do like it, it kind of has like that classic horror trope where like you'd be walking around like all of some body with zero gravity floats out of a locker like it's it's kind of got like a you know you mentioned Resident Evil it kind of is like has a little bit of that kind of going on with it and especially as you kind of get down to the lower part there's a, a monster that you can fight which you fought maybe once or twice already in the course of this game by then, but um, I always still I always kind of get the the jitters when I when I see this guy in the uh, I think it's in the cargo bay, but uh, yeah. So the GFS Valhalla definitely comes to mind front and center when you're thinking about creepy places in the Metroid series. Very like it it feels like not it feels like very Metroid, but also not very Metroid at the same time. And I, I wish that they would do kind of more like that because like you know we were talking before um the show went on and i think that metroid has a lot of really tense moments but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of scary moments you know and i think that this one is like scary in that not like a jump scary kind of way but like kind of like a, a it builds dread kind of way like what's about to happen like something is not good here
1: it's it's uncomfortable that's what it is yeah. it's not like like there's no jump scares or anything there's no like there's there's no there's no like actual scary out el- there's scary elements but you're not scared you're just uncomfortable you're tense the whole mm. the whole way through at least on your first playthrough after you've memorized it all like you know that but that's like natural with any game i, I almost feel like but um but yeah i would absolutely love to see kind of this style of metroid uh, attempted again um not even necessarily for a full game maybe similar to the valhalla where it's maybe like a section similar to that
0: right um okay I want to talk about an area that I have always felt was okay, creepy. I feel like there's one more thing we got to talk about Valhalla first. Okay, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's, well,
1: I feel like... So, the whole area in general is really scary. But then there's one big moment that I feel like most people will find on their playthrough. But probably not everyone because it's technically optional. And it's not required to finish the game. But the uh, the secret Aurora Unit 313 message. For yes. me, that's what really that is what brings this whole area full circle for me everything like oh that that probably might be my favorite vo recording in that whole game is 313's um uh their last thoughts so to speak as they're getting sucked out of the Valhalla. Mm-hmm. it's it's such an uncomfortable message to read it or is
0: listen to it is a cool thing too because like it's like you you have kind of like a plot purpose or like it's it's like it's largely a lot of it is, like, optional, like, you don't have to progress all the way, but, like, there is, like, a very, like, plot-focused reason for this attack on the Valhalla, and, like, you kind of come full circle to that as you fight 3-1-3 at the end of the game, which is, like, actually such an awesome fight. Speaking of, that, uh, I loved, loved that Metroid Prime 3 preview channel, the video that showed the, um, the Aurora units, and, like, it was doing the 2D thing, and it stopped, and it looked exactly like Mother Brain. That was so awesome. I loved that.
1: I would, if Honestly, if anything, I was mad When that didn't show up in the game at no. all And they didn't make that connection in the game I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, I thought they uh. were going to do like a, a
0: 3D Torian. actually, I thought I was like, this is cool um, Maybe, maybe a Metroid Prime 4 We can still get there um, I feel like we can talk more about
1: those uh, Inconsistencies between the uh, Prime 3 Preview and Prime 3 when we do our definitive ranking Because I definitely
0: have a lot of thoughts on that Okay, okay Um all right. Well, let's. Uh, I want to talk about another area that I think I think it's kind of creepy, but I'm not sure that anyone else does. I'm not sure that you'll agree with me here, but um, there's something about this area, and actually, I think it's largely the music. But I, I don't know. Something about the genetics laboratory in AM2R makes me very uncomfortable as uh, as a player. And you go in, and there's kind of this creepy music that rises and falls, and it doesn't really sound like anything else in the soundtrack it's kind of like it's it's like this weird kind of sounds like very alien like in in, which is saying something because you're on this alien planet which is like full of aliens so I mean go figure but it sounds even more alien than what else is on that planet and um I don't know just like the even the name I think is like a little bit creepy too because it's like genetics like what are they making here like what it seems like it almost gives you the vibes of like they're trying to create like the ultimate monster it it reminds me of alien uh or to be more specific uh alien covenant when you find david and he's kind of engineering the xenomorphs and has perfected the formula so it kind of gives me a little bit of that as well and of course like you could really say this for the entire game of um, of AM2R. But this area in particular, I feel like, is very tight. is very dark. There's, like, the kind of hints of green that flash and kind of give this kind of creepy little glow. So I, I always have thought of the genetics lab as kind of like this place that, uh, you know, it, it just it gives you the sense that, like, something is about to go very wrong. And it does, because you're about to fight... The Queen Metroid, which is another very intense and scary kind of showdown. But I think that the build up to that is very kind of uns- unsettling.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I don't think I had quite the same impact there, but I think that's just because at that point I already played Metroid 2. I'd beaten Metroid 2, so I had already, you know, had a sense of like where this was going. I'm like, okay, this is obviously like the final area before the boss. Right. And so, well, like I could, I could, definitely see those vibes, but I, yeah, I just didn't really have the same impact just because I,
0: and, and that's fair. I played into by yeah. the way, after uh, Metro two and Samus returns, but uh, I, I don't know. It was something about it. That was just like, there's something to be said about an area right before the final boss that it seems creepy, right? Like, or mm-hmm. it seems like this is like, this is intense and impact crater for Metro prime almost kind of gets there, but it's, Something about it just doesn't get the same kind of scary vibe to me. Maybe it's just that it's a very bright, uh, very red area. But uh, I don't know. The, just the darkness, the kind of creepy green stuff that's everywhere. The the music really sells it for me, I think, is basically what I'm saying here. But that one's always stuck out to me. I don't think anyone else out there will necessarily agree with this pick. But uh, I wanted to bring it up.
1: I will, I will say, though... I think you could make an argument that like almost the entirety of metroid 2 can fit in that whole domain yeah because like every because like you know there there's the main tunnel area where you get the you get the goaded music and it's just you, you it's your safe area you feel safe but then every time you have to leave you're just like oh god oh god oh god here we go here we go okay <sighs> let's do this and it's yeah so definitely I would i would almost put the entirety of metroid 2 kind of in that almost creepy factor which we which we talked about in our definitive ranking as well
0: mm-hmm. and specifically like the game boy metroid 2 i think um, yes could, could yes, really I, i'm specifically talking yeah.
1: about og metroid 2 yeah
0: yeah so i i think that that's kind of a case where your limitations actually help you um and actually since we're kind of talking about this i did have another area that again i don't know that anyone else will agree with me on and I can't say that I think it's scary, but there is a sense of heightened awareness that I have when I get to this area, and that is Ridley's Lair in the original Metroid, specifically Ridley's Lair. There, and I I just want to preface this with, like, I've been playing a lot of Zero Mission lately, uh, like a lot, and um, it's an incredible game. I love Zero, I love Zero Mission, actually. It's one of my favorite 2D Metroid games. But I will say that one thing that that game does lose is a lot, in my opinion, is a lot of the kind of creepy ambiance that uh, the original Nestroid created, specifically in terms of the music and specifically in terms of like it's a very bright game and you can very clearly see and you're very powerful in that game as well. Like you have lots of missiles, lots of of everything. Um, But I think that in the original Metroid game, it's a very, very hostile world. And even if, like I do when I play that game, you acquire the various suit, the screw attack, lots of missiles, and everything like that before you ever fight Kraid or Ridley, I think that you can go down to Ridley's lair in in Nestroid and it's still, like, very intense. Because in, in that game, there are the most powerful enemies in the game, save for, you know, Metroids in Torian, but the most powerful enemies in the game live there so it's like you have to be on your toes but the thing that really makes it stand out is like you know typically in, in Nestroid you're you're in this hallway like either a vertical hallway or a horizontal one and it's very big you can there's lots of room to jump or avoid or whatever you go to Ridley's lair and it's very narrow like there's actually like barely any room to do anything so you really have to be on your toes and there's tons of those little bugs that pop out of the the super mario tubes that are always trying to hit you. So I I couldn't say it's it's scary, although I think the music is kind of creepy and I think that mm-hmm. like the all black background definitely adds to it, but it's very tense and a very just like head on my you know head on a swivel kind of mentality when when you get down to that area.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a very claustrophobic area in mm-hmm. an already claustrophobic
0: game I feel like. Yeah. Um, Alright, do you have any or do you want me to keep going on my list here?
1: Uh, uh let's yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one. Again, this right. is Um. this one isn't so much an area it's more so a sequence, but Uh. let's go back to the previous game for, before Prime 3, Uh. Metroid Prime 2 Echo specifically the introduction of that game where we are where we are learning the fate of poor Galactic Federation squad Bravo. <laughs> Rick. Yeah, so <laughs> so basically, we we get our uh, we get our mission sequence of the game, and basically, our whole the entire point of the mission is, hey, locate the survivors, get them off the planet, and uh, as we soon discover, uh, we're not going to be able to complete that uh, objective, and in fact, we might even have to do some collateral damage as uh, some of those corpses are overtaken by the ing and turned into zombies. Which, you know, you say zombies in Metroid, and you're like, what? That that's weird. That doesn't make sense. And somehow, Echoes finds a way. That's not even the first time zombies have
0: been in Metroid, by the way.
1: There's tons, of,
0: there's tons of zombie dudes that the X have uh, taken over. That is over.
1: true. That is true. Yeah.
0: I love zombies. We should have more zombies in Metroid, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be down for it for sure.
0: Um, is that the first time that you see the X proper in that game? I can't remember because I know it's it's early, but it's not like right at the beginning. I don't you mean the ing. Or I, yes, I'm sorry. The ing, the ing proper <laughs> in that game. I, I think you do see the ing before that, right? Um... I think? Uh,
1: well, so, no, somebody... no, they're introduced they're in introduced Echoes.
0: Well, no, I mean, like, before that specific cutscene. Anyways, the point I'm trying to drive at here is I think it would have been very, very cool. I like that scene a lot, but I, I think it could have been even better, actually. And I, I keep on saying it's too bright or whatever, but, like, the, the fact is it's, like, set in the daytime, so it's kind of not as scary as it maybe could be. If they would have set that at night and had, like, these guys getting bitten apart and like from these things in the shadows and like they did the big reveal of like what the ing were in like a ladder cut scene i think that could have been really cool although i guess by that point you kind of got to start fighting ing like right away but either way it's a very effective scene you definitely feel for those poor bastards on the on the uh on the ship as they get torn apart
1: well I think I think it helps that before that you're in the um you're in the splinter highs before that. I feel like that kind of occupies like you know the dark the dark claustrophobic aspect of the area mm-hmm. and where you're kind of doing that. And then once you get back to the surface, you know, you know, you're you're kind you feel you feel slightly safe, but it's also it's also a bit unnerving because you look up in the sky and you see you know, you see the atmosphere turn purple like intermittently and it actually will change the lighting in the environment. So it's like you feel safe but with a huge asterisk on it. So I think, I, I still think it's quite effective in that regard.
0: Yeah, I, I could say, I, I would say that uh, you could almost just say, like, in general, while, again, I don't know if you could say scary, although there are some moments where it looks scary. Like, the Dark World, Dark Aether in general, you could almost say is, like, a very, again, not scary, but hostile. Very hostile place to Oppressive. You. yeah. And that uh, again your head is always on a swivel. You literally have to dart from place to place for the majority of the game in order to even survive in this place. So I think that um I think that Dark Aether. Actually, there's two areas in particular that I think are are pretty effective in, in kind of being a little bit creepy. And one of them is the hive. And I can't explain why I think the ing hive is so there's something just about like the the ing corrupting this incredible monumental sanctuary of, like, mechanical perfection and turning it into, like, this dark mirror of that that I always thought was a little bit unsettling. And, like, you know, you obviously get very powerful ing that, that get by there. But also just, like, um I think the Sky Temple in and of itself is is kind of weird or, like, just a little bit unsettling. And I think it's actually, for me, just because of the name. Which, like, to me, a big Zelda guy... I hear Sky Temple, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, we're up in the sky, and it's sunny, and there's clouds, and there's blue skies, and you get there, and it's just like, where the hell am I? This, there's no sky here, like it's Stark Aether. So that one, that one, I it sticks out to me as well.
1: Um, for sure, yeah, I, I can, I could definitely see that with the, the Zelda comparison. I never really thought of it
0: that way. I, I have one. You know, we've been talking about scary places in the Metroid series for uh, you know the better part of twenty minutes now. And we haven't mentioned Metroid Fusion, which I would imagine is what most people think of when they think of, you know, scary scenarios in the Metroid series. And I, I'm a little bit torn on this one, actually, because I think, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't actually find that game very, like, frightening to play. Um, because, like, the the situations that you encounter the SAX... I would say that like they're not scary. It's not like you're creeping around and like you you trip something and he it notices you and then blasts you to oblivion. There are very specific scenarios where you have to perform specific actions in order to get away from it. And like when that when those happen, it's like this bombastic escape music starts playing, and like you have to, you know, be be picture perfect with your controls. But I couldn't say it was scary, right? Like I, I think that the closest thing that I would get to in terms of like this is starting to freak me out, is actually in Sector 6, as you kind of get down, 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 and, like, you eventually find the, the little area where, like, the, the box robot is, and you go fight him, and you can see the restricted zone, but you can't quite access it yet. That, to me, was, like, pretty creepy. And then, like, when you actually get onto the restricted zone, and you're just like, oh my god, this is, like, this is, like, not right. That That is, like, I think the creepiest part of that game. But even that is, like, they don't let it breathe for very long because like immediately the SAX is there and it's like completely ripping things apart and destroying things so it's just like it's more it's less of like uh the horror setting in and like more of like the horror and then it's like oh I gotta get out of here like right now so it, it's it's kind of weird because like I think I would be in agreement with almost every Metroid fan and saying that like I think that Metroid Fusion consistently has like the most the, the, the atmosphere that feels like the most tense or the most, like, you know, dread-filled, I guess, for lack of a better word. But, again, I don't know if I could say that I think that any particular section of that is scary. Are, am, I, am I... What do you think about that no, assessment? No, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, Fusion... Yeah, F- Fusion is a very
1: tense game, but, like, I wouldn't really call it scary. At least... At least considering uh, the age when I first played it. Maybe if I was, like, really young when I first played Fusion, I might have different memories that i could look back on but i didn't play fusion fusion was actually believe it or not one of the last 2d metroids that i got around to playing i played that um after super after metroid 2 i was like in high school by the time i played fusion it was it took me a while to get to that one mm. but so yeah so yeah by that time i didn't really have any like childhood memories that i could really draw on from that and like be able to compare and go on to that i will say probably in terms of like the tensest or the most or the most like kind of i wouldn't really call it scared but the equivalent is like the metal gear solid exclamation point the where I word yeah. kind of went, oh that you- is um yeah yeah i had the big moment where that happened for me is when you're there's an sax sequence in sector five and and it just comes out of nowhere you and you bomb a morph ball tunnel and you're following the Morph Ball tunnel, and the, yeah. and it leads to a door. And then right before you go through, it opens, and that thing just comes up. And then that heartbeat, that...
0: <laughs> and it's just like... There's no music, by the way. It's just the footsteps. Yeah, That's creepy.
1: And then when I, I'm just like, don't move, don't move, don't move. Oh, wait, it's laying a Powerball. I actually have to move right now or I'm dead.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny? So I've I played... Oh my god, I can't even tell you how many times i played Metroid Fusion. I have never, even when I was a kid, this game came out when I was uh, like 12 or 13. Even when I was a kid, I never encountered the SAX there, because as soon as he laid that power bomb, I rolled all the way to the left by the door and just hung out there. And the power bomb doesn't hit you, it just it stops right before it hits you. So, I would wait for it to go down, and like I could hear the door open, I was like, I think I'm safe to go now. And then I would scoot over and and go through. I've never actually encountered him there. I keep on saying him. It. But yeah, that's that's a pretty there are like definitely like sequences in Metroid Dread where it's tense and it's just like I hope this guy doesn't see me, but man, I you know, I don't want to say too much because we are gonna do a show um in December about like specific things we want to see in a Metroid Fusion remake. Um but, oof, that would like if you could if you could implement a way where like The S A X could attack at random intervals. That that would be a game changer and make it so that the ship isn't as bright and inviting. And like it's kind of you have to you know really look around. I don't think
1: I don't think the brightness will be in it because the reason why both Fusion and Zero Mission are bright is just because of you know the era those were released on. They were made for the Game Boy Advance, which the original model had no backlight, and so they had to compensate for that. By upping that um, that saturation up in those colors,
0: yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm not trying to like I think the games look great actually for you know for what they are, um, mm-hmm. but it, it is definitely a, a limitation that's it's kind of the opposite actually of Nestroid and Metroid Two, where it's like these ones you had to make them really bright versus those ones which had to be very dark. So I think both like both of those scenarios are great, but it's just I do think that like a little a little lower lighting. Would have helped. And um, I actually think that... Uh, I'm going to say the exact same thing about this next area as well. And that is the Emmy zones. Which on one hand... Are very tense. And somewhat... I don't know. if Again, if frightening and scary isn't the, quite the appropriate word. But they're certainly tense. And you certainly have to be mindful about where this thing is. And the Emmy does have an element of randomness. That it can attack you with and, and appear. And I, I know you've probably had this... Where you've just walk a corner, open a door and like, bam, there's the Emmy. And it's just like, oh God, <laughs> but it's not like scary necessarily. It is pretty creepy when he starts chasing you and you're just like, oh God. But again, that's, that's kind of more so tense than scary. But I think that, uh, we were trying to talk about this last week with, uh, with Griff and our Metro Dread one year retrospective, but I do wish that the Emmy zones had a little bit more visual diversity to them. Cause they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. They're all very bright. They're all very like, they're all, they're, really bright actually for some reason when i think that like like the first time that you go into dairon for example and everything's dark that would have been a cool Emmy zone to have to kind of deal with and maybe all you could see oh, is like that would have been the sick. red glow of its eye like that that would have been cool
1: yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. It's it, it's actually funny. So uh, when I was doing my uh, my dread mode stream, uh, Spirefan, uh, good friend of us uh, in the Omega Metroid Discord, he actually uh, clipped a really funny moment with the uh, the speed booster. I mean, where I thought I thought I was safe, I thought it was like on the totally other side of the arena, but it was on it was directly in front of me, the opposite side, and it got a minor jump scare <laughs> out of me just because I did not expect that at all. Uh and uh so yeah if you want if you want to check that out you can uh you know shameless plug twitch.tv.com slash Duminal crossing if you want to check that clip out and uh yeah but overall yeah i totally agree with your criticisms there um it's not even so much the brightness but but like you said all of the emmy areas look very this look very same they're all like these factory settings despite the fact that not all of the areas are factory style environments like i think it makes sense for like uh, Dairon or Catarus, but like some of the other areas like I don't feel like that particularly aesthetic Gavarin match with... I think yeah especially especially Gavarin I don't think that aesthetic really matched the rest of the rest of the area tone so. and like like you said like a dark Emmy zone, especially because like you know Metroid Dread does this really cool thing where you know um, especially in Dairon with the blackout areas you know an area will be completely dark and um, it highlights uh, Samus's lights quite a bit on the screen which looks really cool when the camera is zoomed out like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having a dark Emmy area would uh, emphasize that even more because that doesn't really happen that often throughout the game.
0: No, that's the only time, I think. The, the mm-hmm. initial time that you go to Dyron, which is too bad. Oh, I had I really want to talk about my idea for a Metroid Fusion remake because I and I think this is actually has a decent chance of coming true, but I'm going to save that for our episode. We have, um, by the way, Doom's plug-in, so I'm going to plug too. We have a... Like basically, the entire rest of the year after the next couple shows are dedicated to the 20-year anniversaries of both Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion. So, me- November is Metroid Prime month, and December is Metroid Fusion month. And I actually can't wait. I'm I'm like so stoked to talk about Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion in depth um, in the next couple weeks here on the show. But I'm gonna save that for that show. And I have a I have an idea that I'm gonna pitch you then when we get around to that. Um, another area that I think uh, is you know, it's pretty creepy. It was probably more creepy the first time I played it when I was uh, a little younger. But the first time you walk into the wreck ship, I mean, that's pretty... That's pretty... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very antithetical to that game so far. And then, like, nothing's working. There is no enemies really to attack you. You have the ghosts that kind of show up, but they don't really do a whole lot. Save stations don't work. Map stations don't work. It's just like, eee, this is, like, very not right. And, um, again, kind of you you go and fight the boss immediately versus kind of towards the end of the area um so a lot about that uh a lot about that area definitely sticks out as as being kind of like one of the og metroid areas that was really trying to give you the chills or or tell you that like something is is off in this particular area and again kind of like we were talking about with the valhalla it's just kind of like i wonder what happened here like you know what's going on how did this get like this I mean, it's quite literally
1: the first time that Metroid engaged in the wrecked ship trope in in an area literally called the wrecked ship. Can't uh, can't get more on the nose than that. But yeah, Yeah. um, again, I think it's a testament to just how well this area holds up that you know we still talk about it all these years later. And uh, yeah, you know, when you mentioned the save station and map stations not working, that's the big thing that stood out to me when I played Super for the first time because I believe I played Super. So at this, so at this point in my life, I had beaten Metroid Prime Zero Mission and Prime Two, um, and Hunter and Hunters as well, and that. But that was the extent of my knowledge. And then Super came out on the Wii Virtual Console. I want to say a week or two before Prime Three came out, so I ended up buying that and beat Super Metroid literally right before uh, I picked up my Prime Three pre-order back in the day. And so uh, I never really experienced like obviously there was the ship in uh, in Zero Mission, but that was a very different kind of tone very good tone but definitely not a creepy tone like mm. the wreck ship was in uh, in Super Metroid and so that was like my first taste of that kind of it and uh yeah i uh, can't get enough of it
0: yeah it's a, a very unique area in uh, in the metroid series even even with the wreck ship trope i think like there's there's not a lot of places that that do like boss first no nothing's working um encourages you to like not really explore and just go like directly you know to to what you need it's, kind of a, it's a cool area. I have one more area that I want to talk about that I think is kind of creepy. And I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not. But I always thought that it kind of was. And it's actually not necessarily an, an area so much. But in Samus Returns, which I don't think a whole lot of us would say like the visual diversity in that game was its strongest suit... But in Samus Returns, after you defeat the Queen Metroid and you are slowly making your way back up to SR388, the surface of SR388, the sky behind you starts to turn and it's turning like this very ominous looking green color and like there's a storm in the background and it looks like you've got this like creepy green shining everywhere and it's just like what is happening here? Is there like a some kind of like storm or geo electrical current brewing or something like that? And of course, you end up fighting Proteus Ridley, and it's one of the best fights in the series. Um, but that that whole aesthetic with like the the creepy green sky and the the it's just it was very unsettling and a very good like visual cue of foreshadowing like buckle up, buddy, because this game's not done yet.
1: Yeah, for sure. That was yeah. It's a pretty a pretty good way to to inform the player, uh, uh, regardless if they're a new player or a returning player that's experienced before. Like, hold up, we're uh, this isn't going to end the way you think it. It's about to end. Mm-hmm, <laughs> we, got, yeah. we got we got we uh, got we're we're gonna pull a classic Nintendo. We have one more announcement.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, so yeah, that was all. I ha- I do have some enemies that I want to talk about, but uh, in terms of actual areas in the Metroid series. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind in terms of being, like, a little creepy, a little scary that to go through. And, you know, I guess there are def- different definitions. I'm thinking, when I started, I'm thinking, like, scary as in, like, a Resident Evil type of, like, oh, this is, like, not cool. But I guess scary can also mean, like, I am afraid to go in this area because it's so hostile or there's so many enemies or there's so much danger um, and I think that everything that we listed definitely like at least fits somewhere in those categories on this list. Did you have any others that you wanted to to talk about or can I start spewing off some of my favorite creepy enemies in this series?
1: Uh, not really. There's like some small, there's like some small examples, but nothing really that like, I think we covered like all, all the major ones. So yeah.
0: Um, so I was talking about it earlier. I don't know why I th- for some reason, this enemy just like completely gives me the creeps and that is the Metroid Hatcher. And that is something that you can find in the GFS Valhalla. I I don't know what it is, because it's not like. It's this weird kinda organism, and it doesn't really look like any other kind of Metroid. It's like a it's got it's got like a body and it has four tentacles that, that crawl around from it and it spews out other little metroids, which to this point is something that only a queen can do, so it's like It's very clearly a a Phazon corrupted organism that's transformed into like this. It it, it does actually, what it does is it, it, this one to me very much kind of carries over the original idea of, of alien, which is like a lot of body horror and stuff like that. Cause it's got all the limbs and the Samus, you have to use your grapple to like rip the limbs off and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, I don't know. This guy has always kind of creeped me out a little bit. I don't enjoy fighting them.
1: Well, so I don't know if you know about this. You can actually one shot them after you get the uh, the X ray visor and the Nova beam combo together. It makes short work of them, like like no joke. But um, but yeah. So I always I always make sure because there's one that you have to fight mandatory before you get that combo. Mm. But then there's two more that you fight through the game, and you can. And so I always make sure that I have those two items before I face, just so that I can make short work of them.
0: You know what? But, yeah. uh, Sorry to interrupt. You know what area maybe we should have given some love to as well for being kind of a creepy area is the pirate homeworld. It's kind of like got some danger is, going on. There's acid rain. Is, you know, you want to talk about body horror. There's
1: actually quite a bit of that in the pirate. Py- there's like literal platforms of like yeah. deceased carcasses that you have to traverse on. There's like, this one, there's like this one center complex room and there's like this almost whale-like figure that's carved out and has a console inside of it. And it's like man what is wrong with you guys this is this is does not pass OSHA
0: regulations at all <laughs> I, love, I just love like all the contorted space pirate bodies it's like all right well this guy's not getting to do the morph ball next let's let's see you try <laughs> um, yeah pirate homeworld yeah we should have given that a, a shout out as well um, but yeah I, I don't know these 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 hatcher metroids they just give me the creeps I don't know the, the one
1: the one that gave me more of the creeps and um, is is uh, Kind of the entire secondary sequence on Norian. It's a completely optional one, but it's one mm. that you have to do if you want to get 100% of the items. I don't know. There's something about that that always creeped me out just because it's like you're going back to this place where you you won. You definitively won the battle. Everything is done, but there's this little, there's this little quarantine that you missed or that no one got around to that's still just building up this infestation that you have to go and clear out. There's... I don't know there's there's something about that that just I don't know again not scary by any means but just made me feel very uncomfortable Mm. like this place that's supposed to be safe is about to become very unsafe unless we do something about this
0: you know it really is too bad that of the three games but I feel like corruption kind of gets dogged on the most and I think it's like one of the best games in the series actually I I love that game Um, I've always
1: said it's my least favorite of the trilogy but I still think it's a phenomenal
0: game that like everyone needs to play and, uh, I, you know, it, it is different. It's maybe a little bit more, quote-unquote, linear. But I think that you kind of want that. Like, you have two games that are already... You know, actually, each each Metroid Prime game kind of has its own distinct identity in terms of, like, progression and stuff like that. So I think that, uh, you know, for for trading off a little bit of the exploration and adding more, like, narrative and stuff like that, it's... Uh, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption really deserves more love than it gets. Anyways, um, another enemy that I, I feel like is only appropriate... To talk about when we're talking about uh, creepy enemies in this series, I remember the first time I saw this guy, and I was like, "What the hell is this nightmare?" That oh, guy yeah. is uh, just a—I don't know. Like, it's just a, a very uns- it, it What actually makes it even more unsettling is like the gravity effects that are that are kind of going around it, because like the room doesn't quite look real. And then of course, when you bust off its faceplate, you see that gross like ugh, face underneath. It's like. What the hell were they trying to make here? And, and also, actually noteworthy too is like this is not possessed by an X. I don't believe. I could be that wrong. Is. It is. Is it okay? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. going I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, there is. I mean, there technically is one another other M that's not possessed by an X. But I mean, that's that's nowhere near as cool. I actually
0: think one. the one in other M is also pretty decently creepy as well. I think they did a good job modeling that in three D. I have to say. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the music that doesn't live
1: up. Because I mean, obviously you got that legendary Minako Hamano bossing that plays very repetitive, but I think it works for like the fight. But the biggest thing that almost stood out to me again is like that you know that oozing face after you break the faceplate off, and like it just it looked. I mean, you almost feel like you're trying to put it out of its misery almost because it just looks tortured and disheveled and just like that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You almost you almost feel bad for it. Um, it's, uh, it is too bad because you kind of, yeah, the more you damage it, it kind of, it almost looks like it's crying almost. Cause like its face is just mm-hmm. drooping, but, uh, it's a very unsettling fight. Um, obviously if we're going to talk about scary monsters in this, uh, in this franchise, we, we have to mention the SAX, probably the most frightening creature in the series. Would you agree with that? For sure, yeah. I, I would say even like
1: the most iconic one of the uh, of the quote unquote frightening uh, creatures, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, I mean, again, that zoom in of the wide eyes. I mean, that's like an iconic Metroid moment. Yeah. Um, in the entire series.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you know, what else do you want to say about the S A X that hasn't been said before? Um, but I do think that almost maybe not quite as iconic, but uh, definitely iconic. And I I think you'll agree with this one. That shot of Dark Samus at the end of Metroid Prime 2 with like the skull? Mm. Dude. I, I, I
1: don't I wouldn't say it's creepy, but I just I love that You Actually, wouldn't?
0: Oh, I, I think it looked like super creepy because it's like you're looking at like this skeleton.
1: What 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 I think is really cool is that it looks like um it almost looks like the core essence of Metroid Prime and its color scheme and kind of the way it's designed, and, and in my headcanon, that's kind of where I interpret that Samus makes the connection that Dark Samus is Metroid Prime, mm. just in my own personal headcanon. But uh, it, was, it was actually really cool, slightly off topic. But uh, my friend, uh, my friend who lives about 45 minutes away from me, he actually has a modded Switch and he has a ton of like fan costumes for Super Smash Brothers. And one of them he has for Dark Samus is the final boss form and so like the immediately i i use that every time i go to his house because it looks so cool
0: oh buddy take some take some screenshots next time you're there i gotta check that out um it that looks sounds super so cool. awesome um where do you land on the emmy as a creepy enemy are you are you for that or against it? i wrote it down but i'm actually i don't know if i think it's as creepy because you you do have the ability to counter it and I do I actually think the scariest Emmy that you see in the game is the first one that's all like damaged and messed up. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit harder to be scared of like the bright green or bright yellow Emmy. At least to me. Like they don't look particularly menacing. If they are, they'll they'll kill you in like one one shot, but just visually looks wise, and especially if if you're playing Metro Dread and kind of get into a cadence and just learn that you can essentially outrun them in every scenario that you're in. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, but I, I think that they're definitely worth a mention at least.
1: Yeah. It's really hard for me to judge this because again, like you and me, like we've beaten Metroid dread more times than we can count. Like, like my life ran out of fingers at this point. Like <laughs> that's how many times I've beaten Metroid dread. And so mm-hmm. at this point, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty used to how the Emmys work. Obviously not perfect. Again, I talked about that Spire clip that from earlier in the episode, right. but you know, Like, like they become, they, you treat them more and more as a game element and less and less as an entity, if that makes sense. But I would say on the, on the first player, they're definitely, they're definitely threatening at the very least.
0: Okay. I got one more enemy and kind of gives me the creeps because it's like, again, it's kind of my own headcanon, but it's like, what happened like to this poor creature? And that is Genesis. From AM2R, which is a completely optional hidden—I don't even know if the, the term "boss" is appropriate. I guess it probably is, but it's a hidden boss that's on the um, the GFS Toth, and you have to—or I don't know how you say that. Thoth, Toth. Well, technically,
1: it's—it's a—it's based on a creature infusion, actually.
0: Yeah, so it is. And I, when I was doing some research, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I do remember these guys in Metroid Fusion. They're the little things that hang out um, above." kind of by Ridley that hang out above the where you are and they drop acid on you and you kind of have a, a little bit of a hard time killing them. Um But there's this one in AM2R that's on this ship by himself. It's the only living thing on this ship running around and he takes like a ton of damage to be able to defeat. And in my head, I'm just like, why did you like, why were you here? Like, what what is wrong with this picture? Like, why are you... What are you doing here? Also, like, how did you get here but onto the BS? I don't know. So the, there's something about it that's just, like, not right. And I think that, like, I'm I'm the kind of guy that when I'm watching, like, playing a game, watching a movie, anything like that, the kind of, like, horror that sticks out to me and, like, actually makes me feel, like, like, disturbed is kind of, like, when you're watching something and you know, like, something's not quite right here and the other shoe is, is going to drop. Like, I'm, I'm not really one for, like, like, supernatural kind of horror movies or, like, like slasher or anything or jump scare movies like those ones are kind of like eh, whatever but like yeah I'm,
1: i much prefer thrillers i totally agree
0: yeah well like i like like the slow burn like kind of psychological horror movies um, yes which uh off, off, off the top of my head i actually i'm not like the biggest horror fan in the world because i think that it's hard to do it mm-hmm. correctly but like the shining is something that i really like because that's kind of creepy and it's like something ain't right here something's gonna go horribly wrong and um i'd also put get out in that same territory yes as well yeah you know what's you, you know one of the scenes in that movie, which is just, like, the most... Like, if this was in any other movie, it would be creepy. But, like, at nighttime, when that dude is running at top speed towards uh, the main character, I was just like, ugh. Like, that's a scary <laughs> scene in that movie. Um, But but it's scary because it's not right. Be like, why is someone running top yeah. speed at you in the middle of the night, right? Like, And so I kind of feel that way about Genesis as well. Like, this dude clearly shouldn't be here. Something happened to this crew. I don't know what... Don't like him. <laughs> so yeah, not a
1: fan. One star review.
0: Yeah, that's my that that's my uh, list of scary places and scary beings in the Metroid series. Do we miss anything, Doom? Um, I don't want to say scary necessarily, but just I hate
1: fighting them. The huntering in Metroid Prime Two. There's just there's I don't their designs are really unnerving and they're annoying. Yeah, they're to fight horrible until until you get the dark visor and uh, yeah
0: they're they're just like annoying actually i think more so than anything because yeah. it's like they phase in and it's like great i'm gonna shoot that and then like it disappears immediately it takes like forever to resurface and you're just like we didn't okay we got
1: to go back to prime three i
0: took speaking
1: of uh phasing in and out we didn't talk about xeno research that's like a big part of prime three we didn't talk about that <laughs>
0: Go on. I need to refresh my memory with what you're talking about.
1: Uh, Xeno Z- research. When you first encounter the phase Metroids on the pirate controlled territory of a uh, Skytown. So, so you, uh, you're know, you're, you're traveling through Skytown. It's like, whatever. And then all of a sudden you open a door and there's a brittle husk of a pirate that disintegrates. Oh yeah, you you're right. This, yeah. What the hell are we doing? This, yeah. With this ear piercing, like, like a sound cue to go with it. Just to tell you like, Oh yeah, uh, this is about to go downhill real fast. It's and very then you cool, discover huh? the Zeno. Yeah, and then you and then you discover the Xeno research lab. You see the Metroids, and they're behind these force fields, and you just know like, oh, they're not going to stay there for so long. I, I, I've, I've been enough Metroids to know how this goes down. And then, sure enough, you find I believe the Seeker missiles in that area, and sure enough, the Seeker missiles are behind another force field, and there's an energy cell right behind it, and you're and you just know immediately like oh yeah Uh, well
0: as here we go i guess (laughs) as soon as i pick that up bad things are gonna happen um well yeah so there it is we're getting ready for halloween there we have another scary episode next week alien in review returns for alien 3 the controversial alien 3 so getting your halloween started right uh, this week. Yeah, I know and you've
1: been looking forward to this one. I
0: have. I'm very excited. I'm very excited, actually, for this. So, um, yeah, that's going down next week. But, uh, yeah, so there it is. Our picks for the scariest places in the Metroid series, the creepiest enemies in the Metroid series. Let us know if we missed anything. If you disagree, if you're laughing at us for being a bunch of wimps, uh, we'd love to know over on Twitter. Uh, you can check us out at Omega Metroid Pod. You can check me out at Spetery316 and Dumo over at Dumbinal Cross and, and uh, subscribe while you're there check us out on podbean apple google spotify wherever you get your podcasts and of course check out omegametroid.com all your Metroid needs news guides maps whatever you name it it's there we got you covered we're gonna get out of here for this week but uh, we'll be back next week for alien in review so until then everybody take care